0: The question some of us are asking is, I can't forgive. I've been so hurt, Pastor, you don't understand how hurt I've been, but I can't forgive. And so here is a person who's asking this question, how do I get to forgiveness?
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I think today you're talking to a lot of people who are asking that question.
0: Yeah, that's right. How do I get there? And we're in a series on the Beatitudes. And at the center of our series is the idea that there is a progress within the Christian life. Jesus says uh, down the line of the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful. So that's getting us into the world of forgiveness. But that's not the first Beatitude. The first Beatitude is asking us, to come to the place of being poor in spirit, to recognize our own need of the forgiveness of God. Now, there's some progression there. You can't just start in the middle of the Christian life. You can't just say, oh, well, now I'm going to forgive. It's rather like saying... Uh, You know, standing next to a hurdle on a racing track and saying, how am I going to jump over it? You can't jump over it standing next to it. You've got to go back and take a run at it. Mm -hmm. And when you take a run at it, there's a momentum that takes you over. So sometimes we get stuck because we're looking at one issue within the Christian life. And Christian wisdom says, no, you've got to look at the whole of the Christian life. And as you're walking with the Lord, you will gain the momentum that enables you to overcome the hurdle that seems so great right now.
1: Well, we're going to continue to see this from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We're looking at the first 12 verses as we continue the message, blessed. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: The church at its best is a mixed bag. Of people who one day will be in heaven and one day will not. How do you know which one you are? How do you distinguish the authentic from the fake? How do you distinguish a true believer for someone who's just harking on about a vacuous decision that was made 25 years ago and never actually made any difference to the trajectory of their life? There's an eternal difference between these two things. Got to know the difference. And that's precisely what Jesus is addressing here. The evidence that you are truly a Christian will be seen here, that you humble yourself before God, that you mourn over your sins, that you submit yourself meekly to God, that you have an appetite for righteousness, and so forth and so on. Uh, You'll hear me uh, quote many times, I think, in this series from Thomas Watson, who has written... I think um, the definitive book on the Beatitudes, profoundly helpful and full of rich treasures of insight from the, the Puritan era of the 17th century. And he says this, I found it so helpful. He says, if we do not imitate Christ's life, we cannot be saved by his death. If we do not imitate his life, we cannot be saved by his death. Now, think about what he's saying. Uh, Watson is not saying that we are saved by imitating Christ's life. I know other people have said that. You will not find that in the Bible. We are not saved by imitating Christ's life. How are we saved? We are saved by his death. That's what Watson says right there in that quote. We're saved by his death. The question is, who is saved by his death? Who is saved by his death? How would you know a person who is saved by his death? What are the distinguishing marks of a person who is saved by the death of Christ? Answer, it is the person who imitates his life. Not the person who says, I believe in Jesus and his death and his resurrection and I'm continuing my own self-centered trajectory. That's the hypocrite. That's the person who one day will hear Jesus say in the presence of the Father, depart from me, I never knew you. And that person will say, I was a member of the Orchard Evangelical Free Church. I taught in the Sunday school. I led a small group. I gave to this ministry and to that. Depart from me, I never knew you. So by speaking these words, do you see this, friends? Jesus is inviting every one of us, beginning with the senior pastor, to examine ourselves, to measure ourselves, to see whether we be in the faith. begins right today around the word and around the Lord's table, where we're specifically called to do this. There are certain distinguishing marks that are seen in a person who is blessed, and here they are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. So use the Beatitudes throughout these weeks as a tool for measuring your spiritual condition. You'll find them driving you to Jesus Christ. And as we move through this series, there will be some who will discover that you are not yet truly a Christian. You will say, perhaps you have been in church for many years, you'll say, if this is a Christian, I am not yet a Christian. And if the Holy Spirit should shine that light into your heart, it will be the greatest blessing that has come to your life to this point. Because only when you Know that you are not yet Christ's. Are you in a position truly to come to Christ and to receive the life that is in him and begin the pursuit of following him? And I will tell you honestly, folks, all over this congregation and all over the other congregations of the orchard, you will find scores and scores and scores and scores of people who will say something to you like this. I used to think that I was a Christian. I always did. And I was basically a model person and I attended the church. And then I started listening to the word of God. And I listened to the words of Jesus and I discovered that what Jesus is describing was not true of me. If this is a Christian, I am not yet a Christian. And I say to you again, if that should happen to you in the mercy of God, you will thank him for the rest of your life and you will thank him for all eternity if it becomes the means of you truly embracing Christ and beginning a life that is found in him. So here's the great thing that I want us to go after week after week. We're going to be measuring ourselves, our own spiritual condition where we are before God in the light of these Beatitudes. Second, I want to encourage you through this series to use these Beatitudes as a key to progress. A key to progress. I want you to see today that there is a definite order in the Beatitudes. And from that order, we discover how to grow in the Christian life. Each of these virtues that is mentioned here flows from the one that went before. And let me give you a kind of uh, overview of these. The first three Beatitudes really deal with our need. Um, We are poor in spirit because we know that we do not have what it takes to live as God demands. We mourn because as God's light is shining into our lives, we see that our sins are many. In fact, the mark of a growing Christian is that he or she sees more sins in their lives than they did before. Not because there are more, but because they see better we become meek rather than self-willed and defiant and rebellious because we, we know that we don't have the ability to guide our own lives wisely and that however difficult it is, the only way for me to go is to submit myself to the perfect will of God. I'm going to describe these first three Beatitudes that all relate to our need. need to be humbled, need to repent, need to submit to the will of God. I'm going to describe these as the roots of a godly life. Everything grows from that. Everything grows from that. Out of that comes the fourth beatitude. Um, What is the fourth beatitude? It is a deep longing for what we do not have, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a desire to be like Christ who is the righteous one, And out of my humbling and out of my deepening repentance and out of my submission to the will of God comes this great longing. I must pursue a righteous life. The one comes out of the other, and I'm going to call this the life of godliness. The soul of a godly life is the hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ, who is the righteous one, Christ and his righteousness. So there are the roots of a truly godly life. There is the life itself that springs from these roots. And you know where I'm going next, that from the life comes, of course, the most beautiful, beautiful fruit, which you see in the next three Beatitudes. The beautiful fruit is what? Mercy. Blessed are the merciful. And then this beautiful, desirable fruit of purity of heart. And then this wonderful, wonderful fruit of of peace and not only peace within, but peace that is brought to others, peacemaking, peace that comes with me because it resides in me by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to use then this language that we find very helpful, I think here in the orchard, there is a roots, life, fruit, pattern to the Beatitudes. And you will notice, and just so you know I didn't miss it, that there is an eighth Beatitude, which reminds us that the person who pursues this Roots, Life, Fruit uh, life will not only be blessed by God, but they'll also be persecuted by the world. That's just something that comes with the pursuit of this life, and, and we'll come to that also in due course. Now, seeing that there is a distinct pattern, that there is progress in the Beatitudes, that the one naturally flows into and and out of the other, I want to take a step further and say, therefore, as each of these Beatitudes flows from the one that went before, the very order of the teaching of Jesus in itself gives to us the pattern by which a person may make progress or grow in the Christian life.
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed. It's part of our series, Momentum. It's all about how we make progress and grow in the Christian life. And if you want to make sure that you don't miss any broadcast in the series, I want to encourage you to go to our website. It's OpenTheBible.org. Sign up to podcast the program. Or you can go get the Open the Bible app from your favorite app store. That's a great way to listen to Pastor Colin's teaching, kind of on demand, whenever it fits your schedule. You'll find links to both at the website, openthebible.org. Let's get back to our message from Matthew 5. Again, here's Pastor Colin.
0: There's an image that I want you to have in uh, your mind uh, today, and perhaps we'll come back to it throughout the series. It's the image of a man swinging from one ring to another. You know the old monkey swing? I found this picture here. It's called the ring swing. And here's this guy on a platform, and he's going to get on the first ring, and it's going to swing him to the second, and he's going to swing on the second ring, and it's going to get him to the third, and the third to the fourth, and so forth across the platform. The key to doing the ring swing, and friends, I have to tell you, I'm speaking here from observation and not experience. (laughs) But the key to doing the ring swing is one thing. It is momentum. That the second ring is beyond your reach, apart from the momentum of your swing on the first ring. It is the momentum of your swing on the first ring that brings the second one within your reach. You swing back on the second, and, and, and the third is well beyond you. But the momentum of your swing on the second will bring the third within your reach, and so forth and so on. Now, do you see the relevance of this? The question some of us are asking is, I can't forgive. I've been so hurt, pastor. You don't understand how hurt I've been, but I can't forgive. And so here is a person who's asking this question. How do I get to forgiveness? You see where we're going here. You can't get on the fifth or the sixth or the seventh ring of the Beatitudes and start from there. You have to swing to it. And Jesus shows you how. Here's someone else who comes in and says, Pastor, my heart is full of impurity. And I long to get rid of it. I want to have a pure heart. And the question they're asking is, How do I get on that ring? And uh, let's see the picture again for just a minute. Here's the guy that you see. There's the guy standing right there. He's saying, how do I get on the fifth ring? What's the answer to that guy? The answer is you have to start by swinging from the first and through the second and the third. And that's the only way that you're going to get to the fifth ring and to the sixth ring and get the fruit that you so long to see because already the Spirit of God is telling you that's where you've got to get in your life. Here's the wonderful thing. Every one of us can get on the first ring. Some of you are looking in doubt. (laughs) What's the first ring? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the first ring? The first ring is to be saying from your heart, I don't have what it takes. So here's this person saying, I don't have what it takes to forgive. Right now, let's get on the first ring and let's go deep with that. You do not have what it takes. I do not have this within me. I'm going to have to cling to Christ to give me what I do not have. And you're beginning to swing on the first ring. Aren't you so glad that the first beatitude is not, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God? If the first beatitude was blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, all of us would be saying, we can never get on the first ring. It's too far. It's beyond us. But that's not what Jesus says. Here's the first ring. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who will come before God and say, I do not have what it takes. This is beyond me. Swing on that ring and you know what's going to happen? You're going to find that a deeper repentance than you knew before comes within your reach. You're going to start seeing the extent of your own sins, your own inability, your own need you're going to start mourning over your own condition that's going to begin to change your heart. You're going to be swinging on the second ring. And as that begins to go deep in your mind, what's, what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to find that within your reach is a deep desire to say, I've got to stop this self-willed life and I've got to submit myself to Christ. And out of that, a new hunger and a new righteousness, and, and you're going to be Moving. Now, here's the position that that, that some of us may have found ourselves in. Let's see the picture one more time. I want you to imagine this guy, and he gets halfway across. Let's say he's on the fourth ring, and he's swinging for the fifth, you know? And he, he swings for the fifth, and he, oh, he misses it. Now, you know what happens next. Back he goes, and his next swing is not quite so high. And it's further from his reach, and... The third one, not quite so high, losing momentum, losing momentum, and eventually there he is hanging, with two hands, from a ring, and he's stuck. That's where some of us are spiritually. I expect you're stuck. Not making any progress. believer it in Christ. Not moving forward. No momentum. And it's an unsustainable position. You know what's going to happen eventually. Your arms get very tired. You're going to drop off, aren't you? What are you going to do next? There's only one thing to do, friend. That's to get back on the platform and get your momentum going from ring number one. Imagine the impact of that in our lives, of us truly coming before God in a fresh way and saying, oh God, I don't have what it takes. And for that to begin to go deep and for some momentum to get going. Here's where you begin. Here's where you get on. See, I'm I'm not just talking about a kind of one-time decision. I'm talking about this, friend, as a pattern for the Christian life. That every day that you set out saying, Lord, I want to pursue purity of heart today. I want to show mercy towards others today. I want to be a peace bringer today. In all the meetings that I'm in and I don't want to be a source of conflict. I, I don't have that fruit in me by nature. And so today, Lord, I'm asking you to give me what I do not have. I know that my sins are many and I ask that you'll help me to spot temptation as it comes and to fight against it. Please, please help me not to be a self-willed person today. I got all these ideas as to what I want to do. Help me to submit myself really today to your sovereign will. And when there's something difficult for me to do today, please help me to go after what's right. Friends, this is how the Holy Spirit produces Christian growth. This is what it looks like to live the Christian life. And so we're right at the very, very heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ as we're taking this journey together over these next weeks and months. And the very last thing I want to say in just a moment, and it bridges us to the table where we're coming right now is that throughout this series we're we're going to be using the beatitudes as a window to worship you'll get fresh glimpses of the beauty of jesus through the lens of the beatitudes see him then as we prepare to come around this table leaving the riches of heaven and embracing our poverty And humbling himself, making himself nothing, the Bible says. And humbling himself even to death on a cross. See him as he mourns over the sins of Jerusalem. And over your sins and over mine. He has no sins of his own to mourn over, but, oh, he mourns over sin. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you to myself as a hen gathers chickens under her wing, but you would not. Can you see Jesus reaching out to you? Friend, today there is someone to whom Jesus Christ is saying today, oh... How I would have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. And you hear him calling you, and will you not come to him today? See him in the garden of Gethsemane as he meekly submits to the will of the Father that is overwhelmingly costly. If you think meekness is a kind of weak word, then get this picture in your mind. Here's meekness. Father, not what I will But your will be done. If it means nails. That's meekness. Submission to the will of God. See him fulfill all righteousness. And then lay down this righteous life as a sacrifice for the sake of others. And now see him drawing near to you today. This risen Christ in all of his purity. And look, he's coming to you in mercy. He is not coming with thunders of law from Sinai. He's coming with the mercy of the gospel purchased by his blood. And he is saying, let me be the peacemaker between you and God.
1: What a powerful and practical first message in our series, Momentum. And I don't know about you, but I found that image. That picture of the person swinging on the ring, so helpful in understanding how we mature, how we can make progress in the Christian life. You know, Pastor Cullen's taken the sermon series and he's actually written a book out of that. It also has the title Momentum. It's about pursuing God's blessing through the Beatitudes. And Cullen, what can we actually learn from the Beatitudes?
0: Well, the Beatitudes are the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on how to have a blessed life. And who wouldn't want to pull up a chair and listen to the Son of God tell us how we can be blessed? That's what's laid out in the Beatitudes. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus tells us not only what it means to be blessed, but how we can actually pursue the blessing of God in our lives. So if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, you want to know more of the blessing of God, well, there's no better place for you to look than the Beatitudes.
1: Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give over the phone by calling us at 1-877-673-6365 or online. Our website is openthebible.org. Again, the phone number is 877-OPEN-365 and the website is OpenTheBible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Does it mean you're always saying, I don't really have anything to offer? Well, of course not. So find out what it does mean next time on Open the Bible.